Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking our news of the day with me, none other than Ricky Smiley, comedian, actor, author, host of the Ricky Smiling, Ricky Smiley Morning Show, award-winning Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Always fascinating to have his analysis. Top story of the day. Senator Tim Scott proposes to his fake girlfriend. There's a picture of it so that we can have proof to talk about. Let's go ahead and put the picture up. In addition to that, right on cue, ladies and gentlemen, Governor Ron DeSatan decides to drop out of the race. And Tim Scott, as well as DeSatan, endorse Donald Trump while counter endorsing Nikki Haley. It's a hell of a thing. All right, let's do it this way. Uh, keep the picture up. So let's get into it. Senator Tim Scott, Republican, South Carolina, who has his job because of governor, former governor Nikki Haley. It was Nikki Haley as governor who appointed Tim Scott to the position of US Senator during an open vacancy. Former presidential candidate and possible Republican vice presidential nominee proposed to his girlfriend. Mindy is her name. Saturday evening at the beach, they were in South Carolina. She said, yes, quote, as a guy who is mostly an introvert and on the quiet side, having to have a conversation about the engagement is a little, you know, uncomfortable in a way. But it's the most exciting thing I'll do with my life besides making Jesus my Lord. Scott said in an interview on Sunday, I've been very patient and prayerful. And I'm really excited and somewhat nervous. And I couldn't be more thankful for having found a soulmate and someone who shares a lot of the same interests, passions, and goals that I do. End quote. Now, here's the irony of it all. Just a few months ago, when the media said, hey, Tim, you said you had a girlfriend in, in that town hall. Um, who is she? And Senator Scott said, well, you know, I don't want to bring her out here. I, you know, I, I wouldn't do that unless I knew that I really wanted to be with her long term. I guess he changed his mind. Okay, um, Senator Tim Scott, uh, good luck to you, sir. Uh, this is going to definitely stop all of those rumors Republicans started about you about being gay. Because we didn't start those rumors. We don't have an issue with your preference. Republicans did. And they said it on record against you, unfortunately. Uh, the reality is it should not matter, should it, sir? All right. Uh, also, Florida governor, the Satan has decided he's dropping out as well. He entered the race 2024. Presidential campaign with a bankroll. The man still got money. Bankroll rivaling that of the coup attempting former President Donald Trump. He dropped his bid for the GOP nomination on Sunday and endorsed Trump on his way out. Quote, nobody worked harder and we left it all on the field, DeSantis said in a video posted on X, formerly Twitter. Before going on to say, quote, if there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, 
More bigotry? I would. He didn't say more bigotry. I put that in there. That's what he was thinking on the inside. Now, here's the thing. After DeSantis said he endorses Donald Trump, and by the way, he decided to also counter-endorse Nikki Haley, which is unheard of in a campaign. He counter-endorses Nikki Haley, endorses Donald Trump. Trump is then posed the question about Will he retire the name Ron DeSanctimonious? Here it is. Okay. You just said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. (laughs) Did you hear the response from the crowd? It is as if he just gave everyone free access to health care. No, 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 no. President Obama did that. It's as if he attempted to forgive everyone's college student loan debt. No, Biden is the guy who tried to do that. Trump gets a roaring round of applause for agreeing to not call a man desanctimonious again. Now, Nikki Haley, obviously, has to feel betrayed. I mean, she, being a person of color, appoints Senator Tim Scott as a U.S. senator out of South Carolina, a southern state. And I'm sure she had to fight with the racist Confederates that are inside of that state, just like those that exist in Georgia, Alabama, and beyond. And she did for Senator Tim Scott. And here's what she said. No, he didn't call or inform me. And look, this is what the fellas do. The difference is I don't take politics personally. I never have. And I think that's the problem with where we are now, is you now have people who want to decide who's a good Republican, who's a bad Republican, who's a good person, who's a bad person. That's why our country is so divided. I don't judge people. I focus on policy that's going to make America stronger. I don't take politics personally. I'm not thin-skinned like Donald Trump. Wow, she doesn't judge people, except she says we have to stop this woke stuff, y'all. Talking about black people, okay? She uh, doesn't take it personal or personally. That's uh, that's an interesting sentiment, uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, I would feel betrayed. I mean, it's human to say this guy has no loyalty. And when you say that there's this division, either division exists or it doesn't, because I remember you said, ma'am, that America has never been a racist country, not simply denying the sentiment of racism. You're also denying the community that has experienced it. What if someone said to you, well, listen, there there was no racism against you personally. You keep saying that on the campaign trail, but nobody was racist against you ever in life. Nobody has said that to you. But that's what you're saying to everybody else. So now that you're saying, well, this is a boys club, right? Is that not sexism? Wait a minute. If sexism exists against you and racism exists against you, why do you deny that these things exist against everybody else? And that's the problem that you're going to face while you continue to try and obtain power. Ricky, 
hell of a thing. Thoughts? Yeah, it, uh, I find it interesting that she said that is uh, not a racist country, but she's using her name Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, <laughs> right. instead of uh, Nemerata. Right, a real Howard. name. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I would like to see her to run on her real name or whatever, and let's see how many votes she get. And it's just people like her, uh, like they have been trying to get her to take the Confederate flag down off of the state capitol for years. And she did it after the shooting uh, uh, in the church when it was convenient for her. That's right. And, uh, it, you know, she's just not a, a a good candidate. And it's just the, the, the female version of, of, of Donald Trump. I think their party is a mess. I don't think that Donald Trump is elect, electable uh, is if that's the word in the in the um, in the general or whatever. What had me scared was Ron DeSantis getting the Republican nomination because I thought that he would probably do better against Joe Biden than Donald Trump would. I just don't think that uh, people are going to uh, go out and vote for Trump because there's a lot of Republicans that are anti-Trump and that are pro the Constitution. So yeah. uh, it, it's so important that, that we make sure we get out and vote and don't believe all of the hoopla because I'm noticing a lot of uh, black men are uh, gravitating towards Trump for some reason, just because a couple of rappers thought that he was cool. Yeah, and uh, it's really sad when you think about the political context because obviously politics is a game of policy. Uh, we need to get good policy from the politician. And to your point, Ricky, and I agree, uh, DeSantis seemed to be much more disciplined, which is something that William Barr, Bill Barr, former Attorney General, said Trump just doesn't have discipline. And if he had discipline, he could actually pull things off, but he doesn't have it. Well, DeSantis has proven he does have discipline, and his supporters are likely to support Trump, while Haley supporters, according to the last poll, about 50% of them are likely to support Biden. And these are Republican voters who support Haley, but if Haley's out of the race, they, according to the latest poll, they are going to support the other political party. That's a hell of a number. Yeah, 50%, wow. There are monsters in this world, and uh, here's one of them, in my opinion. Here it is. How's it going? How's it going? Do you wanna have a coffee? No. Want me to call the police? No. Wanna have a coffee? Yeah. Okay. I thought so. What are you doing here? Are you meeting somebody? I might have been. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, my goodness. Are you sorry that you came to a little kid? I, well, I wasn't going to do anything that he wouldn't have wanted to do. Okay. So okay. if he wanted to have sex, would you have had sex with him? If he wanted it. Possibly. We told you we were 14 pretty quickly, correct? Yes, very. Yeah, in so, so in your in your head, as long as they're okay with it, it's okay. You said I will do whatever you want. My body is yours to explore. Yeah. Do you know having sex with a child under the age of consent is rape? Yes, I do, sir. So you were here to rape this child today? No, I wasn't. But in my own mind, I wanted to just explore him and the aspect of. You did want to explore him. I'm going to get to that in a minute. I explore him and <laughs> the his aspect. Body. Well, if that's what he wanted to but do. But it's a child, man. I know it's it, a child. I know it's a child. Anything he wanted to do, you would do. Anything. I, I know. You're kind of okay with that as long as he was okay with it. Yes, sir. That's the way it was. And then we find out 
he's already registered for doing this. Here it is. Mm. Him. On the Iowa sex offender registry, is that what I'm Are I you on the registry, man? What? Yes, sir, I am. You're on the sex registry? Yes, sir, I am. So you've done this before? No, I... I was... Is that uh, you right there? Yes, it is. Yes, can I explain something to you here, sir? Enlighten me. Okay, I was accused of sexually abusing two little girls, okay? And I never did Call it. Call the police. I, I never did Call it. Call the Police, you I didn't know. do it. I know, sir, I know you don't believe me. You were uh, charged. I know I was charged because I had, I had got a plea bargain where I said I had, I had with a, with a six-year-old boy. Did you have with a six-year-old boy? No, I didn't. I just said I did so I could get the plea Why bargain. Why would you say you did if you didn't do it, man? And now you're here to meet another kid. Did you serve time? I served 25 years, sir. 25 years? Yes, for sir. For something you didn't do? Yes, sir. So I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned that you're going to do it again. No, I don't want to do it again. How old no. were the two girls? They were eight and four. You I, should be in prison. I know, sir. I, you I, were going to meet a 14-year-old right here in this seat. You know? If we wouldn't have stopped that, you, you would have had a child here today. Then it concludes with him calling the police on himself. And he served 25 years to a crime you didn't do, but yet you're gonna do it today. No, I'm not gonna do it. Hey, you're not gonna do it today because we're here, dude. And the three of us, us three guys, we all have kids in this community. I won't do that. That's I, you. I, no, you're not I, gonna do that. I, no, I'm not. A four, a six, and an eight-year-old have already accused you of touching them. You went to prison for 25 Years, no, and you're telling me you're not here to do it again. You were gonna hurt this child like you hurt three others. I'm sorry. Because you, I know you're sorry, man, but you don't care because- Yes, I do care. You served 25 years and you're doing it again. Whether you did it or not, the first time you did it this time. I know. You know, they're probably still hurting from that day of whatever you didn't do. Do you wanna be held accountable? I wanna be held Call accountable. the police. Huh? Call the police. If you really, really feel bad and you're a man, call 911. I got sexually abused when I was in the, when, when I was in, Voice yeah, comments. I did too. And you know what? I'm not out doing children, dude. I'll just let them yes. Be. Yes. Um, I'm calling you here to let you know that I came here to the King's Super and to meet a 14-year-old child. And guys, it looks like he's in the back of the car right now, being interviewed by the officer. So he said he will get locked up again for this. Put so. up the picture for mask. Let me first say thank you to Colorado Ped Control. They are the ones who originally uploaded uh, the clip. They are a civilian group that poses as minors online to catch people like him. And this potentially happened in the summer of 2023, keep, keep the picture up. I wanna highlight a few things here. If you met this guy at your local grocery store, you would say, that's a pleasant person. He's nice, mm. he's very courteous. Not realizing that cloaked behind that is an individual who would be willing to destroy your child and keep his life moving as if he did not do something horribly wrong. And in the midst of this, the individuals who are recording, one of the men answers 
a proclamation that this monster makes when he talks about his own experience with abuse, which I would not deny him of that possible reality. The other man says, I was abused too. But you know what I'm not out here doing? See, we're all responsible for the choices we consciously make. He decided instead of breaking the cycle and being like the gentleman behind the camera, not allowing this kind of this kind of heartache to be visited upon another child, he decides to perpetuate the madness. All right, Ricky, that's a tough story. Uh, it's important for people to know uh, this exists, this is real, and we have to be vigilant, especially when it comes to online communications. Um, I was very clear with my daughter, there, there is no privacy in my house, I'm sorry. Uh, your constitutional right. rights are are kind of murky here. All right, what what's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'm just glad that we, the, the, the advantage of having the internet. Uh, it seems like, and I've been watching a lot of these stories in a lot of cities that people are trapping men like that and exposing them. Uh, because back in the day, it was you had to watch MSNBC to catch a predator. Yep. Uh, now everybody's doing it uh, for for clicks or whatever, but it's serving. Uh, a good purpose because it's making the community aware of people in your local community that's out here really trying to to get with uh, underage kids. Uh, and that yeah, and, and speaking of that man, he needs to be put in jail for the rest of his life because he's not a first time offender. Even if you do that one time, you need to go to jail for the rest of your life because it, the access is too easy and it's so dangerous. And um, you know, uh, and a lot of these guys end up killing kids after they molest them or rape them. I've seen so many episodes yep. on on these different channels where where people go out here and molest and rape, and then they try to kill uh, the kid to hide uh, the evidence. So it's really, really dangerous. And I hope more people uh, start doing stuff like this and catching these uh, predators. Yeah, uh, and naturally, there's a training and expertise that goes along with doing it correctly. Many of these groups work with law enforcement because law enforcement, they do not have the manpower or the manpower with technical skills to sit and do this um, for days and days and days. Um, so uh, thank you for the continued work um, of the uh, gentleman who did this. All right. CEO, Vistex is on stage, there's a stunt. It goes wrong, it's in India, and one of the men dies. Let's do this, let's put up the picture of the um, actual stunt first. Um, when I saw this, I did not think it was an actual story until I read in the second paragraph. So this was in India, a day of celebration turned into a horror show. When a tech CEO plunged 15 feet to his demise. This was due to an onstage mishap in front of his own employees. Vistech CEO Sanjay Shah and the Vistech president Vishwanath Raju Datla were inside of an iron cage that was being lowered 
onto a stage as part of their grand entrance to a company party when a wire snapped. The shocking video showed the moment the yellow cage hovering near the rafters began to wobble as fireworks exploded and a voice implored the crowd to put their hands together for the duo. The cage quickly dropped to one side, sending the two heads of the Illinois-based company hurling 15 feet to the ground. A one and a half story drop. One of the men flipped over, unfortunately landing head first on the ground. Mr. Shaw was killed in the accident. Datla was left in critical condition. Although the cause of death was attributed to a snap wire, officials are investigating and looking into the faulty cage, which was pulled by a rolling machine and had iron wires and grills. They both were in India to celebrate their Vistec Asia Silver Silver Jubilee, which was being celebrated across two days at the famous Ramoji Film City. Shah and Raju being lowered from the cage onto the dais was planned, a planned event to kickstart the celebrations. A company official told the outlet, Vistex founded by Shah 1999 is an advisory service company with more than 20 global offices and a hefty client list that includes GM, Yamaha, Coca-Cola, and more. Uh, So uh, I'm glad they're actually investigating this beyond the, well, it was only an accident um, narrative. Because in today's world, especially dealing with powerful global interests as they were, well, hell, you can't put anything past anyone. Never know. I mean, the CEO and the president at one time, uh, the critical condition, uh, the the president remains a critical condition. We'll give you an update. Um, Also, there are people online saying, oh, it was just completely unnecessary what they were doing. Um, Well, it was part of the stage performance. They're not the only um, CEOs or presidents that have done something similar. Um, I've seen pastors do this on Resurrection Sunday. Um, Disaster can happen, all right? So our thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends of um, both of them. Because right now, um, everyone's lives connected to them are probably very, very different right now. Ricky, thoughts? Yeah, I just hope, uh, first of all, uh, my condolences to the family. I hope that, uh, uh, and and I hate, I hope the people that was there to see that get the proper therapy that they need because they will never, ever forget it. That will forever be engraved into their, uh, into their uh, innocent minds. They didn't ask for that. And, you know, uh, you have to double check when you're doing stunts like that. And I'm talking about, Three and four times, I, I, I've I've been a part of stunts in movies, and I'm telling you, the, the scariest scene uh, for me when that pink Cadillac had the that guy had to match that gas and go forward in the movie Friday after next, mm-hmm. and I can't tell you how many times I jumped up and walked around to make sure that that car was in drive and not reverse, mm. and they made me do it six times, and I added six more times. And I had to lay there and get my nerves together because I would have died yep. had anything gone wrong in that particular scene. And it's just uh, it's risky um, trying to make sure that everything is okay. I'm I'm sure that that company gonna have a uh, 
have a lawsuit. But that is so unfortunate for uh, that man's family and the employees that had to endure that. So my condolences. Yeah, same here. So it looks as if the aggressive white male is calling the police on who? Himself possibly. And I don't know what made him think he got hands. Uh, But obviously the individual who he was trying to attack was a very nice young man and decided not to engage in actual physical combat. And he could have, could have engaged in self-defense. He decided to walk away. Well, here's what happened. Got him. Now, here's the thing. So what he didn't know is that there are two anti-Karens who work at that police department. And they are able to intuitively know as soon as the 911 call comes in, they're able to go to the scene, understand who the Karen is quickly, and arrest the male Karen in this situation. Put it up full mass here. You see, I want you to look at that middle picture. You see how his left hand is showing what his right hand is attempting to do? That's not how you throw a punch. It is coming a mile away in slow motion and the young man simply dodged it, okay? This is a person who obviously is not ready for what he is attempting to do. Okay, very thankful for the young man who decided to show a significant amount of grace here. Um, Ricky, he could have easily engaged (laughs) in self-defense and he decided the way you threw that punch, sir, the way you just swung at me, I'm going to let you have it. Have a good day. (laughs) No, the Ricky did like this. (laughs) Right. <laughs> and then the man almost lost his balance. He did. And then, and then he took out a flip phone. He didn't have an iPhone. He didn't have an Android. <laughs> he took out a flip phone and tried to take a picture. So if you're trying to take a picture with a flip phone, that means you got to go to Walgreens to get the picture developed. See, it's a lot. It's layers. It's, it's layers to this thing. And then for for that man to wake up that morning and put on a fresh jockey T-shirt and some brand new cargo shorts. Yes. Those shorts was brand new. They still had the tag on there. <laughs> and now he got to go to jail. And uh, uh, you got on a fresh T-shirt, cargo pants. You you, lost, you swung and you almost fell and embarrassed yourself. Uh, his girlfriend should, or uh, his wife should break up with him. 
after that. It just it's just a bad, a bad look and a bad day. But it couldn't have been me. It couldn't have yeah. been me. But that young man was just so smooth when he did like this. Yeah. Do, do it with me, Dr. Rich. Let's go. One, two, three. Yeah, lean back. <laughs> lean back. Yeah. I, I'm like you, man. We I would have let him hit me just like so I said. I had to defend myself. I mean, yeah. Yeah, if he would have hit you, Dr. Richard, then we could have sued him and then we'd have had a lot of cargo shorts. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, somebody knows him. It's time for intervention, obviously. From the video, he started the whole uh, incident. And, um, you know, it could have been worse for the guy. All right. Somebody talk to him. Indisputable, exclusive. Alabama prisons again. Let me do it this way. I want to put up a picture of the carnage. All right. I want to put up the picture of the carnage. Do you see that? Look at it. I know it's hard to look at. It's hard for him to go through. He's actually not dead in this picture. These were his final days. I wanted to show you what he looked like before. You see this? That's his sister next to him. But look how healthy he is. Look how young he looks. I go back to the picture again of what happened to him in prison. In Alabama, Antonio Arnett Smith, an incarcerated man, ended up dying four days after being released on medical furlough. And his sister, Travella Casey, is speaking out. Ms. Casey has been trying to bring attention to her late brother's tragedy by sharing pictures of her brother during his final days. Here's her story. November 2023, a large mass was found in my brother, Antonio Arnez Smith. After testing, it was confirmed to be cancer. For years, Antonio had been experiencing shoulder pain and his arm was visibly losing muscle mass. This was apparent to anyone because one arm had reduced to half the size of the other. Although he wrote several grievances and made several complaints, no imaging outside of an x-ray had been done. Now, I want to remind everyone, when you are incarcerated, your tax dollars taken away from your paycheck is to provide adequate health care for individuals under state control. This is the law. That is not an option. It is mandated. There's more. An x-ray will only see so much. They know this. So his complaints would be ignored for years, not days. Not months, but years, dismissed by doctors, claiming he was perfectly fine, even though his muscle mass was rapidly deteriorating. Antonio had been a model inmate and had been housed an honor camp for years prior to his diagnosis. One of his jobs had even been at a recreational center in Decatur, Alabama. After the pain got so severe, Doctors at Red Eagle Honor Camp finally ordered an MRI, finally. 
This would come years from the time he first started complaining about his arm. Once the MRI had been conducted and it was confirmed to be cancer, the Red Eagle Honor Camp said that he would then have to be transferred to Killabee uh, Infirmary because they were not equipped to provide the treatment he would need. The mass was found in November, but the transfer did not take place until January. Within two months awaiting transfer, he was given very little information about his diagnosis. He didn't find out what kind of cancer he had or what stage he had until after the transfer was complete. Put her up. You're looking at Red Eagle Community Work Center. Warden, correctional warden, Miss Adrian Givens. She's the current person in charge. The sister says, for two months, he was left wondering. Once the information was given about his condition, it was still very conflicting. Initially, he was told he had bone and lung cancer, but it turned out to be only lung cancer. This also caused more worrying about the uncertainty of his diagnosis. After arriving at the Kilby Infirmary, he just sat with nothing being done. Within this time, the cancer had eaten through four or five of his ribs, front and back. This caused him to be in excruciating pain constantly. By February, he still had not started to receive any form of treatment. He arrived in January weighing 159 pounds. He was rapidly losing weight. Myself and several other family members started to make calls to Alabama Department of Corrections, wondering when he would start to receive treatments. Hundreds of calls and emails had been made. Nothing done, ladies and gentlemen, nothing. His pain had become unbearable. She says, and he had been given morphine and fentanyl to accommodate. This was causing severe constipation and suppression of his appetite. The medicine was not giving any relief. After making the doctors at the infirmary aware, he was told that it wouldn't be changed, it would not be changed. And not taking it would be considered refusal of treatment. So he continued to take it. By the time treatment started in May, he was being considered the same month for medical furlough. Meaning he's about to die, so we will release him. Our family was crushed after receiving news of his denial. Previous report was done. Let's put up this brother. His name is Patrick Darrington, remarkable journalist of the Alabama political reporter. He would write, before obtaining medical furlough in September, Smith attempted to obtain release through the provision in May, but it was denied by ADOC commissioner John Hamm. This was covered by several news outlets at the time as well. During a June prison oversight committee meeting, Hamm addressed denying Smith's petition for medical furlough at that time. Ham explained that he denied the request for medical furlough then because Smith still had the capability of committing crime and was convicted of murder. 
Smith was charged with the murder of his girlfriend at age 22. In an appeal that was denied, he stated he had ineffective counsel because his attorney never mentioned specific information in the trial, including the time of the shooting. He was twice the legal uh, at the legal intoxication limit. Smith's prosecutor was Doug Valeska, who is alleged in the petition as being affiliated with the KKK, the Ku Klux Clowns. The appeal also states that the judge gave Smith a sentence of 99 years, despite Smith having no prior offenses and the decision exceeding the maximum sentence authorized. In another document, Smith's brother, a witness when the incident occurred, said it was an accidental shooting. Casey would explain how bad his condition got. She said at the time of his denial, Antonio had become wheelchair bound with very limited mobility. He could barely move. He was then down to 117 pounds and complications were getting worse. The day after his medical furlough was denied, I was able to gain access to his medical records, which Department of Corrections fought so hard for us not to get. After obtaining the medical records, a reporter finally agreed to run the story on him. They wouldn't do so until we could prove our claims. Patrick Darrington will lay out the events that preceded. So Mr. Darrington says on October 5th, Casey called her brother. And Smith said he had not taken a bath since they visited 10 days earlier. Casey also said that his cancer treatment never started until approximately June, although he received his cancer diagnosis in November of 2022. Quote, I spoke with Lieutenant Daniels, and he said that the medical department said they didn't consider Tony to be incapacitated, so they didn't assist him with anything, Casey said. And this was before he came home in the condition I showed you. And I'm asking them, even with our electrical hospital bed, he couldn't even lift his head up on his own. So just to get out of bed, he was having to pay inmates. He was having to pay others who were incarcerated to get him out of bed. After his release, Casey said Lieutenant Cooper with ADOC. And Jada Gardner had yes care representative, a rest care, a yes care representative warned the family about what they could not do as he was still the property of the state. They told the family that if they took pictures of Smith and posted them online or took him to an outside doctor, Smith would be returned to the prison. If they simply took pictures, he would be punished. What kind of sense does this make? Casey said Cooper and Gardner were more worried about the family putting Smith on social media than they were about his status as a human being. Antonio Arnez Smith was granted medical furlough in late September, but was not released to his family until 30 days later on October 23rd. Four days later, he died. He passed away four days later because of the effects of stage four lung cancer 
And what his sister says is a clear medical neglect by the Alabama Department of Corrections. Put him up. You're looking at Commissioner John Hamm. You see, Commissioner Hamm um, did not respond to indisputable. We reached out to the Alabama Department of Corrections last week requesting a statement to Ms. Casey's accusations. As of this segment, no one from the Department of Corrections has bothered to respond to us. No one. I want to give a special thank you. In addition to the courage of the sister and to the family who has been pushing for basic humanitarian rights to be applied here. Special thanks to Jeanette Jones of Mass Incarceration, Mustang Incorporated, for obtaining this statement from Travella Casey and Patrick Darrington for his reporting last month, who first exposed this story. This is what journalism is supposed to do. Transparency provides its own disinfectant if done correctly. Now, we are working with individuals who are uncovering these tragedies inside of prisons. If you remember Mr. Vaughn in Alabama, we had to uncover that tragedy. I had to go to Alabama, literally had to tell the Alabama warden, I will not leave, I will not go anywhere unless you call the sheriff to have me arrested because they would not allow local media or the family to see the man who clearly, clearly, based on pictures, looked to be dying. Looked very similar to what you just saw. Attorney Ben Crump, Harry Daniels, and others got involved. After that, the family was able to get him moved to an actual medical facility. It shouldn't take all that is the point. We have time and time again, same scenario, different players, same outcome, different authorities. But in the same industry, prison, people do not lose their humanity because they are serving time. These are not recommendations. It is a significant human rights violation to do this to people. This is savage. This is heartless. All right, we're going to give you updates as they come. Uh, Ricky, thoughts here. Yeah, um, you, you know, I would have thought you was describing a movie from uh, yeah. one of those movies from HBO uh, 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 with Dustin Hoffman, whatever that, you, you know, just have somebody sitting in a cell, just rotting away. You can, uh, and, and, and at some point, do the warden, the warden go around and, and put eyes on, you know, the inmates himself or whatever and figure that something is wrong. You would think it is 2024, and this sounds like something come out of the 1940s or 1950s uh, or whatever. And it's, it's, it's almost like another form of slavery, uh, just how they treat black folks. And it's, it's bad um, that, that stuff like this is still going on in 2020, uh, 2024. Uh, my condolences to his family. I hope that Ben Crump or any other attorney involved bring justice to this family. And that they're sued, and also the people that allowed all of this to happen be held accountable because uh, it's, it's, it's wrong. And that's, that's a really sad story. Yeah. And I encourage everyone check out Senator John Ossoff's report after he concluded his investigation into prisons. And you will clearly see that there's extreme criminal activity being done right here on American soil contextualized through the prison industry. Naturally, we are going to bring you updates to this story.
We have sad and breaking news. Dexter Scott King, the youngest son of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has passed away. That's according to statements from his family and the King Center. The King Center has now confirmed in a statement the 62 year old civil rights activist died after a battle with prostate cancer. The third child of Dr. and Mrs. Coretta Scott King was married to Leah King since 2013. Um, a statement said uh, from his wife, uh, he transitioned peacefully in his sleep at home with me in Malibu. She added, he gave it everything and battled this terrible disease until the end. As with all the challenges in his life, he faced this hurdle with bravery and might. King's older brother, Martin Luther King Jr. III said in a statement, quote, I am deeply saddened to share that my brother, Dexter Scott King, has passed away. The sudden shock is devastating. It is hard to have the right words at a moment like this. Please keep the entire King family in your prayers, and in particular, Dexter's wife, Leah Weber. Dexter's mother, uh, Coretta Scott King, uh, she died, as we know, in 2006. Uh, sister Yolanda Denise King passed in 2007. A graduate of Morehouse College, Dexter King worked as chairman of the King Center and also president of the King Estate. Dexter was actually named for the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Alabama where his father once served as pastor. He was only seven years of age when his father was assassinated in 1968. Um, very sad, so this is just uh, breaking right here live on Indisputable. Um, naturally, our thoughts and prayers are with the family and the friends of the King family. I've already reached out um, to my sister, to my friend Bernice King, um, to extend my condolences and offer any assistance for whatever is necessary. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in Atlanta and I know the King family. And naturally, they are um, staples, more than staples. They're iconic in our community. And we work closely on policy, we work together on movements and was Bernice King who recently even got involved in the stop cop city movement by publicly proclaiming that the people should vote on that movement. The King family has still been very relevant. Um, so I encourage everyone to give the family their time um, because right now um, their lives have been changed in a way that will never be the exact same again. All right, um, Ricky, I know you're very familiar with the King family yourself and the civil rights leadership that they've always displayed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my condolences to the entire King family. Bernice King is also uh, a, a friend of mine, and I ran into her several times in the building, which we do the morning show. Yep. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Dr. King and Coretta Scott King, larger than life, iconic figures that would be engraved. Uh, forever in our history, uh, to see the, uh, the the you know their seeds, uh, their children start to uh, pass away uh, is 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 really really sad. But I'm just glad and grateful 
that uh, that that our my generation and your generation, I think we can safely say the same generation, uh, still have an attachment to uh, the history of Dr. King. Dr. King oh, yeah. was assassinated like a month or two before I was born. Mm. I was born in '68. Um, uh, and I just remember, you know, everything about the King family growing up in uh, Birmingham, probably the second home of the civil rights movement um, or whatever. And I've seen a lot of stuff these 55 years uh, and to lose uh, any, of, any of the King children, uh, just a, a sad time and a sad day. And uh, uh, my, my condolences to the family. Uh, that's really sad. Yeah, hearts and prayers once again uh, extended to the King family. Um, hell of a thing in Texas. There's a new Texas law to discredit only the black women judges. You know, that's how it's playing out. Put them up full mass. You won't believe this story. As reported by the defender, according to multiple black women who are running in the March primary, a new Texas law is being weaponized in Houston's judicial races where candidates Takasha Francis, Erica Hughes, and Amber Boyd Cora all overcame efforts to be removed from the ballot by their all white male competition. This goes back to a law. Quote, when you get a candidate that might beat you, you resort to desperate measures, said Lloyd Kelly, who has represented all three women and asserts that incumbents are using the new law in Texas to selectively exclude challengers of African American origin. Quote, I'm really offended by what they're doing. What is it about a black woman that you find offensive? When she runs for office, can't the people decide you're using a lawsuit as a campaign tool? In 2023, the Texas legislature enacted a House bill called House Bill 2384, which created a list of criteria intended to establish what they call professional qualifications viewable to the public for any person seeking elected office as a district court judge or appellate court justice. Kelly has called HB 2384 the Incumbent Protection Act. And there's a reason, because incumbent judges are exempt. They don't have to prove they're qualified. They could keep running without proving qualification, even though the law says you must prove these variables and qualifications, except for the old white men who are currently elected. That doesn't sound like the fair and equitable society that Nikki Haley says we live in. There's more. They are exempt from having to answer the new application and qualification standards. Takasha Francis is running to replace 152nd District Court Judge Robert Schaefer who alleges Francis is not qualified to be a judge. That's what he's saying now. Now remember, she has to go through this new law to validate qualifications while he by law 
does not have to prove any qualifications whatsoever. That is insane, but it is current Texas law. Kelly says Schaefer dropped an earlier claim to have Francis removed from the March primary ballot because he, quote, has no evidence to support his claim, but plans to refile his lawsuit, end quote, and use discovery to try and find a witness after the primary election is over. The defender spoke with Schaefer's attorney, John Rayleigh, who says they filed the suit because as the director of the city of Houston Department of Neighborhoods, Francis does not work as a practicing lawyer, which is a requirement. Francis, who has worked in the legal field for damn near 20 years, completely denies that she is not a working attorney. <laughs> Added Francis, quote, these same sitting judges have had people challenge them before. They've never gone to these lengths. So I probably wouldn't take it personally if this is just the order of how they operate. It's not a coincidence that their challengers have been white men or either they've been uncontested. So basically they're saying, well, listen, they don't say this against their white male political challengers. But when there is a black female political challenger, all of a sudden they claim, oh, not qualified based on the, based on the law. There's more. All right, let's put it up. Judge Erica R. Hughes. Judge, you hear me, right? Judge. Erica R. Hughes was elected to the Harris County Criminal Court in 2018, where she joined 17 other accomplished women of color. It was a beautiful picture that they did together, floats around online, very remarkable, all right? The, the women made history by forming the largest group of African-American female judges ever assembled in the state of Texas. Additionally, Hughes was chosen by Attorney General Merrick Garland to serve as an immigration judge. And she's also worked in Harris County Criminal Court at law number three and as a Harris County Veterans Court judge. That's a lot of judge stuff happening, right? However, despite all of those qualifications, all of those credentials, the 151st District Court Judge, Mike Englehart, has contested the eligibility of Hughes, arguing for her removal from the primary ballot for alleged failure to disclose certain information and using forged signatures to get on the ballot. The defender notes, the courts ruled Hughes could remain on the ballot, but Hughes says it's ridiculous that her character continues to be attacked. Then last month, incumbent place nine justice Peter Kelly for the first time, for the first, excuse me, District Court of Appeals asked the Texas Supreme Court to resolve whether a challenger to his seat, Amber Michelle Boy Cora, can remain on the Democratic Party primary ballot. Kelly alleges that Ms. Boyd Cora failed to describe appellate briefs and or oral arguments she claimed to have made in the prior five years, has no board certified specialization and gave vague answers as to her alleged courtroom experience 
responding to Kelly's challenge through the Texas Democratic Party. Boyd Cora supplied answers to three questions, admitting she was not board certified, specifying that she had one jury verdict case, and describing her last appeal, an appeal from an eviction, according to a petition. Kelly's attorney argued that Boyd Cora's response was an amendment to her application, and amendments are not allowed in the election code. She then demanded the Texas Democratic Party chair uh, remove Boyd Cora from the primary ballot. The party refused. Boyd Cora has been a practicing commercial real estate construction and contract lawyer throughout her career. Quote, there is nothing wrong with her qualifications as said by the Texas Constitution. Kelly said, noting that Boyd Cora is a licensed attorney and a US citizen who lives in the district, which is what's required. Put up these women again. Now, thank you for continuing the legacy of leadership that you started a few years back. We're going to support your continued efforts to destroy this ridiculous narrative and expose the individuals who are supposed to be noble as it relates to law and justice, obviously. They are not. All right, Ricky, that's a hell of a thing, man. Literally a judge, they got a judge in this with all of her qualifications, including noted attorneys in various fields. And they're saying they don't want the people to decide because obviously they're afraid to lose. Yeah, well, that's what they do so well. They uh, move the goalposts. Yeah, you know, and they'll say, "Hey, uh, you come a hundred yards," and then you know, it seems like uh, as a race of people, when we make it to the hundred yards, you move the goalpost back uh, farther, or just try to make it hard. And how is she not qualified? So if she went to law school and then she passed the uh, the bar exam, right. what have she been doing the past twenty years if she wasn't practicing law or working in the law field? You know, nobody goes uh, put all those years to go to law school. To get out and and just and do anything, uh, they haven't committed any crimes. And uh, I would like to also help you. Uh, I want to. I would like to bring this on to to my morning show. Maybe we can yes. interview some of these judges and let people uh, know what's going on because I, we're on a big station uh, in 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 Houston. So I would love to have them come on the morning show and have this conversation to get people out to vote, sign a petition, doing whatever they have to do uh, because Texas. Um, the state of Alabama, the state of Mississippi, they have real, real uh, problems as far as stuff like this and race relations. And, and they just still operating like they're in the 1940s and 50s. And it's really sad. So we definitely, I, I'm going to join you in helping them. Thank you, dear brother. We're going to make that connection happen today. I appreciate your continued leadership as well. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Nikki Haley, according to the report, has been exposed as being a prolific cheater on her husband. Not one affairs, but at least two. And they signed sworn affidavits to the affairs. It is now creeping back up in her campaign. If she believes she's going to get a pass like Donald Trump, she has another thing coming. Here's the commentary. Seemingly confirming what was apparently an open secret in South Carolina. New reporting from the Daily Mail alleges former governor and current GOP hopeful Nikki Haley 
had affairs with her communications consultant and a married lobbyist prior to becoming the Palmetto State's chief executive. Two eyewitnesses, Will Fox and Larry Merchant, signed affidavits in 2010, alleging they had a sexual relationship with Haley before she went on to become governor. Haley has previously denied the affairs, though GOP insiders in South Carolina alleged the affairs were, quote, brazen and widely known. So Jessica, this, um, as as mentioned in, in the opener, were considered open secrets in South Carolina that Nikki Haley had been philandering around the state with uh, members of her, of her party um, before becoming governor. And I've even heard allegations that it continued while she was governor. Now her husband uh, is in the military and is deployed on occasion, which would give her opportunity. Of course, legally, you have to be careful about what you say. She has denied the affairs, but this Daily Mail report apparently has access to these 2010 sworn affidavits that were previously um, not available to the public. According to the report, Governor Haley was getting it in. Put up the picture full mass. (laughs) Daily Mail that broke the story, okay? The Daily Mail broke the story. They have now been banned from the Nikki Haley campaign. They cannot come to events. They cannot ride on the tour bus because according to the campaign, the publication lied on the presidential candidate. On Friday, a Daily Mail reporter and photographer, they were told to leave the campaign event at a diner in New Hampshire. They were also told they were now banned from covering any future events. That is a very Trump-like thing to do, I understand, where you got the move from Haley. But if you believe that you're going to be treated with the same type of, I don't know, acceptance as Donald Trump was, you got something else coming. Remember, Donald Trump is on record for cheating on his wife. Hell, we got the payment stub. Donald Trump is on record for saying he just walks up to women, grabs them out of a JJ. We have that on recording. What did they do to Trump? Nothing. They made him president. All right. Um, according to the Daily Mail, Haley, a spokeswoman, Cheney Denton, addressed the reporter and photographer, pointed to the door and said, Daily Beast is not credentialed for any more events. I'm politely asking you to leave. When the Daily Mail reporter followed up to ask whether this ban will be in effect for the rest of the campaign, the, spokes, the spokesperson said, yes, end quote. According to the Daily Mail, Denton later told an editor that the publication was banned because it was printing lies about the presidential candidate. The ban comes after Daily Mail published a story reporting that Haley lied when denying that she had cheated on her husband. She was accused of engaging in affairs twice during her South Carolina gubernatorial Campaign and listen, the Daily Mail article is quite graphic, uh, from explaining where to uh, kind of like hopping in a minivan and letting the seat back and what Haley was doing. It is extreme. All right, it's a lot of detail. Okay, um, so I encourage you find an article if you can. And naturally, naturally, this is going to become a thing because it's. Nikki Haley. Now, remember, Nikki Haley says racism does not exist. I wonder that she believes sexism does not exist because already she's being treated quite differently by her party than Trump was treated by that same party 
when it was exposed that he cheated on his wife. All right, Ricky, thoughts here? And not a minivan, golly. Yeah, minivan, man. Yeah, that's 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 something, a whole new meaning. Uh, I was just listening to Prince yesterday, so uh, I was going to listen <laughs> to him today. So now when Darling Nikki comes on, oh, man. it's going to be a oh, whole nother situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty bad. And uh, if there are affidavits signed that's showing that she had that affair, uh, they're going to really uh, uh, show her what she mean to that party because she's already uh, dealing with with racism within her party. And that's why she had to use the word the name Nikki Haley yep. as opposed to her original name. And now you got this affair out there. I don't think that she will be no threat to Donald Trump. Uh, securing the Republican nomination. And that's, I, I think, if that rumor, remember when they put the rumor out there uh, when General McCain about him adopting black kids when uh, he was running against Bush uh, for that 2000 and just that little, just just that little bit, uh, just a rumor um, uh, how it 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 it, uh, it messed up the campaign for General McCain uh, back then. So just imagine what this is going to do by her being uh, a, a woman of color. Right, exactly. But mm, Ricky, America has never been a racist country, is what Governor Haley told us. So we're, we're going to go with that. Find out. <laughs> but it's always good to have you on the show, man. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your amazing work, man. Yeah, make sure y'all check me out at Ricky Smiley Official. You can uh, hit me on my little personal Instagram at RS Comedy. That's RS Comedy. And listen to the Ricky Smiley Morning Show every single morning. Appreciate you, Dr. Richie, for having me. Man, we appreciate you as always, dear brother. I'm going to call you later this evening, all right, so we can talk. Yes, sir. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. The bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, he's back. Connor Brigotas works as the managing editor of the Connecticut Inside Investigator, an investigative journalist. Perfect timing. Sir, how are you? Life and good. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too, Connor. Okay, um, we got to talk about Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, uh, the showdown that's taking place. And now she says, may the best woman win. Uh, Donald Trump gets a roaring round of applause because he told his crowd, He's going to retire the name, the sanctimonious. Um, how do you see this working out for Nikki Haley in the upcoming primary um, happening this week and beyond? Well, I live in New Hampshire. And yeah. uh, one of the great things about that is you do get an insight into what's going on, especially at this key time. And I'll tell you two key things that I'm seeing. First, I have not met a single Nikki Haley supporter who isn't being paid to support Nikki Haley. Wait a minute. Hold on, brother. Hold, brother. Brother. Brother, come on, man. You're an investigative journalist, man. I'm a managing you're, editor, but managing I will editor, all right. work with great journalists, yes. You're saying that you have not met one person that's supporting Haley that, Correct. that isn't paid to support Correct. Haley. I see a lot of people knocking doors with handouts right. and flyers and hats. But, uh, you know, as I'm around, I'm working, I'm talking to people. I've never met anyone who's out there. Uh, and the other, the second point there is I've never seen a Nikki Haley yard sign on private property. They're everywhere on public roundabouts. They're on the side of the road. But the energy simply isn't there for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. And uh, I think that, quite frankly, with Ron DeSantis dropping out, 
nothing much has really changed. It was always going to be Trump. It's been Trump for a long time. And I think that folks are just now coming around to that, regardless of what Haley says. I think she's just uh, looking to do something else with her time. And uh, I'm guessing that next opportunity will be very profitable for her. Okay, so let's talk about a dynamic I saw with Ron DeSantis, I mean DeSantis, who dropped out of the race, endorsed Donald Trump, and then did something I haven't seen before. Counter endorse the only other person in the race. Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott did something very similar, but he did it in his, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy kind of way. So obviously there's some kind of agreement. If you endorse Trump, you must counter endorse Nikki Haley. And I think it's for two reasons. Number one, obviously, to go ahead and wrap up this Republican primary process so he can make an even bigger political point about his prosecution. And two, to stop the appetite, whatever it may be inside of the Republican Party that says Nikki Haley should be his vice presidential running mate. What say you to that strategy? I think it's good to have allies and and especially I understand it from a candidate perspective. And these are career politicians. I think we always need to keep that in mind. These are folks who aren't just here for November's election. They're trying to be here for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And that means that they want to play their pieces very carefully during a tumultuous time so that they can always come out on top, right? It's the uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia line. I play both sides so I can always end up on top. As voters and as citizens, we need to be aware of that. And we need to be very careful about what that means for the long term, both of our communities, our families. I mean, this is human human uh, value that we're messing with here. And, and I think that we would be very well served to keep the bigger picture in mind, uh, be more aware that this is just political gamesmanship, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, but it has real consequence, policy impacts people, right? As you are well aware, um, when you're connected authentically to people, you realize that bad policy kills, good policy can make a person or a family thrive and live. I wonder at what point does it stop becoming, does it start being real and stop simply being rhetoric? For example, even though politically I don't support Chris Christie, but he had a different he had a different spirit about himself than let's say DeSantis but they were basically saying the same thing about Donald Trump mm-hmm. um in reference to his electability at one time definitely his temperament um how he gets in the way of conservative policies but DeSantis we always knew he was going to kiss the ring with um the former governor Chris Christie I don't think that's going to happen this time so the authenticity seems to be in the minority now inside of this party. I think people are okay with being lied to in the Republican Party in particular. What say you to that? That's a really interesting point. And I don't, I'm not sure that I agree that people like being lied to, but I do okay. think that there are comfortable truths and there are uncomfortable truths. And drawing that line gets really difficult, right? So I think there's also a broader picture here to consider, which is, you know, Chris Christie is potentially in the running for a no labels endorsement. Uh, and there still may be a path. Chris Christie, though, really struck this interesting tone of kindness and humanity in a way that I don't think anyone else was able to do. Maybe Vivek, perhaps, but even then, he went above and beyond in some cases that, you know, to really rub people the wrong way. Uh, I think that Christie is probably the last of a dying breed, uh, unfortunately. 
Um, I, I, I know that on this show, I've said before, I'm an optimist. I do that intentionally. I try to look for the brighter future. Um, but I think that the only way we're really going to get there at this point is to put our faith in something else and our trust in something else that's not a national politician trying to govern 330 million people with a one-size-fits-all solution. It's never going to work. Uh, and that means that the best solutions are going to come from our communities, our states at the largest, but more importantly, in the people who we see and are kind to every single day in our lives. I'm with you on that point. I share with you in that sentiment, but here's the challenge. That can all be possible, and it is possible in a democracy. Because democracy is about determinism. It is about individual determinism. You still, as a voter, you still are empowered. There is no finality in democracy. I tell my college students that all the time. So in democracy, if your guy or gal does not win a particular election, which means your policies did not win in that election, you get another opportunity to do it again. You get another opportunity. Donald Trump becomes president. We go into a de facto dictatorship. I can guarantee you that. You're now eroding at the quality of determinism in the electorate. This is my opinion. So I'm not saying this is what you believe. In that space, I want you to think about it beyond the man. If corporations are already paying off politicians, running commercials to convince us that they are right on a policy or a particular agenda, special interest that they represent. If we go into a dictatorship, they only have to pay one man, and that's Donald Trump. They no longer have to be concerned about our health. They are only concerned about their bottom line. Congress becomes completely ineffective in any check or balance that the founding fathers of this nation wanted codified within the normative rule of law. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.